If you have a Bible with you, if you turn to Luke chapter 5 with me this evening, Luke chapter 5, um, you know, we work around people with addictions. We see them saved regularly. We see them go on for God. We see some of them mess up, obviously. But we get to be involved in seeing God move regularly in people's lives. We get to see the gospel have an impact on people's lives regularly. Now, I go to a lot of churches. I speak up and down churches, you know, um, all over the place. And, and let me tell you, um, a lot of churches don't see people saved. A lot of people don't see anybody reached. A lot of people are, a lot of churches are just worried about keeping themselves, in a sense, going rather than looking up and reaching out. But you know what? If we don't look up and start reaching out to the communities that we are in, we're called to go reach the world. If we don't start looking up and reaching out, you know, we're failing in our mission. There's no other reason why we're still here, but we're here to reach the world with the gospel. And I do hope as a church that you take on board and you're serious about reaching your community, the community surrounding you and the uttermost part of the world. Um, you know, for us down in Dublin, we have a very specific, I suppose, uh, mandate you know, uh, we, are, we are focused, fixed on reaching people uh, that come from a background of addiction. Now, um, we, I'm a missionary based down in uh, Lifegate Bible Baptist Church down in Tallaght in Dublin. Um, I didn't grow up in a Baptist church. I grew up Catholic down in Dublin. I suppose if you grow up in Ireland, you grow up Catholic. Uh, it's just the way it is. You don't really have much of a say in that. Um, but you know what? When I was a young fella, the local Baptist church invited me to a holiday Bible club, and I came along to that as a young person. I heard the gospel for the first time in my life, saw a Bible for the first time in my life, accepted Jesus Christ at the end of that message, knew God was, was speaking to me in the, in the message, and uh, the invitation at the end, the preacher says, if any of us would like to know how to get to know God, how to know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die, I want you to stand up and walk forward after it when I start to pray. And let me tell you, as a young boy, uh, the, the, the tug of war that went on in my soul at that moment, uh, half of me knowing that I need to walk forward, the other half saying, you'll make a fool of yourself, what are you doing? But you know what? I knew there was something real in the message that was preached that, uh, that afternoon. And uh, I went forward and I got saved. And I went to church there in Tala uh, for a year. Uh, you know, I, I done well. I went to Sunday school and done all those type of things. And I was in, in church every time the doors were open. And I, I really liked church. But you know what? Circumstances in my life changed. We moved house and I got different friends and all that kind of stuff. And it's amazing what peer pressure can do to somebody. Um, as a young fella, I, I got in with the wrong crowd, an older group, and uh, I, I stopped going to church. And even though I knew I was doing wrong, the Holy Spirit convicted me many times about what I was doing. I was on the run from God, the prodigal son in the far country. And, uh, you know, I, I dumbed down all that God was trying to do in my life to the place where, you know, um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to imagine that that uh, God was there. I, I knew who He was. I knew what I should do, but I was stuck in my sin. You know, I ended up going with the wrong friends, and I ended up 
some of you will maybe remember my testimony. I grew up, my father wasn't around, and I, I wanted acceptance or love from older, uh, the older crowd because I didn't feel I got it from my father because he wasn't around. And, you know, that's what the devil used in my life to draw me into that bad crowd. I ended up becoming a drug addict. I ended up going through all the different drugs. I ended up, like Aiden, becoming a heroin addict. I ended up doing all the stuff uh, that you can do. Uh, You name a drug, I've taken it. Um, And got myself in all kinds of trouble. Got to the place where I felt I was hopeless. You know, my old Catholic mindset told me that God wouldn't accept somebody like me I would have to do better first before God would ever take me back in because I was dirty on the inside and I knew it. I felt it. I, physically I was, but it was deeper than that. I knew my sin was a dark stain upon me and I knew that I was, I was in a dark place. And what I would say to you is when you look around and you see the homeless or you see the drug addicts lying around or the alcoholic, nobody ever sets out to be like that. You know, I don't meet anybody that we're working with and they say, you know what, my life's ambition was to ruin my life and become a drug addict. You know what, I've been looking to do this since I left school. It's always small little choices that people have made along the way. And you make those small compromises, they lead to great disasters. And you know what, that's the way it was for me. I never thought I would lose so much when I left church. I never thought it would cost me so much when I walked away from God. When I closed the Bible and left church, I never went back, not even one time. I wasn't one of these in and out of church. You know what? Um, When I left, I left uh, for many years, and I left church on the run from God. But you know what? I didn't set out to do that. I, I set out to have fun, to be accepted by the crowd, to have a good time, And it just got a hold of me. And then when it got a hold of me, you know, the devil tempts you to do stuff. And then when you do it, he points the finger at you and says, why did you do that? I can't believe you've done that. God will never accept you. God doesn't love you anyway. And, uh, you know, in my life, I was just stuck. And uh, until one day, I walked through the doors of that church that I'd been saved in all those years before. And I don't remember going in. I just remember hearing about it the next day. But let me tell you, I am, I am very, very strong on the local church. This is God's hospital. This is the only organization God ever set up. He didn't set up AA or NA or any other drug treatment program. God set up the local church. It's the church's responsibility to reach out to the lost and dying world. It's not the government's responsibility to deal with drug addicts and help drug addicts. You see, drug addicts aren't drug addicts because they take drugs. They're drug addicts because they're sinners. Their particular sin is just taking drugs. It's, it's idolatry, really. They're just worshiping a different God. You know what? And the reality is the only answer for them is going to be found in the gospel. And where are they going to get that from? Well, if they don't get it from the church, where else are they going to get it? They won't get it from a self-help group. They won't get it from the government. The government hasn't got an answer for the problems that are out there on our streets and in our communities. And maybe tonight you say, Leighton, I don't even know any drug addicts. You know what? I would love you to go with Gordy on a Friday night and come down to Dublin and drive around Dublin City, walk around Dublin City for one night, and I guarantee it will change your perspective 
uh, on Ireland. It will change your perspective on people. And it will maybe give you a heart to pray more. It might give you a heart to go and reach some people. It might give you a heart to give to somebody else that's reaching them. But you know what? If we just stay in our church and we don't go out and we don't reach the world, we don't interact with the world, we'll never reach the world for Jesus Christ. You know what? In my life, I'm so glad I, I, I went to a church and I walked through the doors of a church as a heroin addict, needle marks in my arms. I went in, I'm heavily addicted to heroin, methadone, that's the heroin substitute. And when I walked into the church, I, I didn't meet re- religion. I'm so glad I didn't meet religion. I'm so glad I, I wasn't told, listen, we don't want your type coming into our church. You know, I, I stank. I didn't wash myself back in those days. You know, I didn't look after myself. You know, I didn't want to be the way I was, but that's just the way I was. But you know what I found? I found love and acceptance. Not that they liked what I'd done, but you know what? They could see past who I was to who I could be if God was to transform my life. And you see, I think a a, a problem that we have sometimes in the church is we see the person on the street or we know the person, we see their problem but we don't see what God can do in their lives. You know why? Because we don't believe God has as much power as we sing about he has. We don't believe our prayer could really change somebody's life. We don't really believe that God could take somebody like me or like Aidan and so transform his life that he would never take those drugs again, that he would never go back to the cigarettes again that he would never go back to the drink again, that he would never go back to the old way again, that he can walk in victory, that things can be different. God always had time for the lowest in society. When Jesus Christ was here, even when he was dying on the cross, who was he trying to reach? The thieves next to him. You know what? Always, all through his life, you look at who he reached. He was... He was attacked for being a friend of sinners. Church, we need to be a friend of sinners. How else are we going to reach them? If we're not connecting with them on some level, how else are we going to reach them? Now, we should never get to the place where they're influencing us. We need to influence them. You see, the gospel is the power of God. We need to be going out with the gospel to reach the people. You see, I believe no matter who I meet in life, that God can change their life. Let's look at Luke chapter 5 with me, a wonderful story. Um, look at verse 12 there with me. It says, And it came to pass, uh, as he was in a, uh, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand, and he t- touched him, and saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself unto the priest, and offer for uh, for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much more went there a frame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Listen, uh, here we have a story of a man who had a massive problem. What was his problem? He had leprosy. Now, you know in Ireland we used to have a leper colony. I don't know whether you know that, but in Dublin we used to have a leper colony back in the day. 
And I believe lepers are, drug addicts are the lepers of our society. I believe that they are an outcast in our communities. I believe that when somebody becomes addicted to drugs or alcohol, uh, they get shunned by their family because of their behavior, because of what they're doing. And it's very similar to the way if you got leprosy back in Bible times, what would have to happen to you? And I'm sure you've heard many sermons on lepers before, but just remember, if you were a leper, you were classed as being unclean. If you were a leper, you couldn't go down and worship. If you were a leper, you had to warn passers-by that you were unclean. You had to wear bells in case you came across somebody at night, they could hear you coming. You had to be separated from your community. The only friends that you had if you were a leper were other lepers themselves. You know what, can you imagine at that moment when, you're, when the priest diagnosed that you had leprosy and he pronounced that you were unclean? From that very moment, you never, had to, you never got to go home and spend time with your family again. You never hugged your wife again. You never kissed your kids again. Once you got diagnosed, that's the problem that you have. You were unclean and basically you were given the death sentence. You are out of community. You know what, we have a generation of young people living like lepers in our society. They are outcasts in our community. The the normal folk feel very uncomfortable when they're around. When you see them tapping or begging on the side of the street, everything in you wants to cross the other side of the street and get away from them because it makes you uncomfortable because of what they're doing. You know, uh, it just they, they, you don't want them around you. The truth is, they cause problems in society. You know, when people become addicted to drugs, they burn all their bridges with the people that they're, they're around. You know, their families ultimately end up don't want anything to do with them. They put them out of houses sometimes. That's what has to happen. You know, they live in groups of addicts themselves and they're the only friends that they have. That's what they talk about all day. That's what they do all day. They steal to feed their habit. They live lives uh, in in deep sin, trying to feed that appetite that, that has grown in them. But let me tell you, they weren't born like that. Nobody's born an addict. And don't believe the lie, the philosophy that says, once an addict, always an addict. Without the gospel, once an addict, always an addict. But with the gospel, we can be new creatures, the Bible says. We can be transformed. We can be delivered. The Bible says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Let me tell you, God can reach down and take that leper in our society and he can reach him with the gospel and transform and change him um, and, and do a radical work in his life. You know what, we see this story here with, the, uh, with the, the leper in the story. And, you know, we start off in verse 12, and it says that, behold, a man full of leprosy who, seeing Jesus, um, uh, fell on his face and besought him. How did he know who Jesus was? That's the first point you need to ask yourself. How did this leper know Jesus was God? How did he know he was the Messiah? How did he know that he could change him? Let me tell you, somebody must have told him. Somebody must have shared the news with him. Somebody must have told him, if you ever come across Jesus, he can change your life. I've heard what he's done in other people's lives. I've seen what he's done to a blind man. I've seen what he's done to a dead man. And if you come across Jesus, he could change your life. 
Do you know that's the very same message that we need to have to a lost and dying world, to the addicts on the street? If you only get to Jesus, he can change your life. If you would only meet Jesus, he could change your life. You know what? We have a message to tell, the only hope that they will get. I want you to remember this saying. Horting people hurt people, but helped people help people. You know, when you see somebody and they're an addict, they're, they're up to their neck in sin, and that's all addiction is. Addiction is just sin. And you know, when you see them and they're hurting, they're damaging everybody, they're ruining their community, they're a scourge on society, and they're just taking everything they can get, they're committing crime after crime. The reality is they're hurting everybody around them. But you know what? If they get helped, if they get helped, you're going to find that they become the next Aidan Curran. If they get helped, you're going to find that they become the next Leighton Kelly. Because hurting people hurt people, but help people help people. And there's nobody better to go and reach somebody with an addiction problem than somebody that's already had an addiction problem that God has made free. Because God makes free. He doesn't set free. The Bible says makes free. God can make somebody different. You see, we have a message about a God that can transform a life over and over again in the pages of Scripture. When you read about Jesus, he was gone and he was meeting the most, the most depraved people that society had in those days. He was going and reaching the publicans. He was going and reaching uh, the woman at the well and all the problems that she had. The thief on the cross, you know, the Pharisees. He was trying to reach them all. You know what? What would Jesus be doing if he, could, if he was here tonight and we could interview Jesus tonight and we say, Jesus, what should we be doing as a church? Where should we go? Who would Jesus bring us to? He would bring us to the lowest in society. He would be willing to reach anybody. Preacher says he preached about um, um, homosexuality and stuff last week. And praise God that you have a church that preaches on the hard topics because there's a lot of churches that avoid talking about the difficult subjects. But we need to talk about them. But you know what? Jesus says, go reach the homosexual. Don't just preach about it. We should be willing to try to reach them. Who's reaching them? We all know it's wrong. We all understand that it's wrong and it's, it's sinful. But are we going to do anything to reach them? Maybe you should pray that God would reach some homosexuals in our country. Because I tell you, our, our previous Taoiseach just resigned the other day. I, I never thought I would see a day when we'd, we would have a homosexual Taoiseach in Ireland. You know what? We had the minister for children. She's from my area. She's a lesbian. She's the minister for children. And she was the most pro-abortion woman that was on, in the government. And she's the minister for children. Let me tell you, we live in a wicked, messed up country, a messed up place, a messed up time. What's the answer? The answer is always Jesus Christ. No matter how bad somebody might seem, no matter how wicked their sin might be, no matter how dark it looks, there's always hope. There's always hope because Jesus is the God of hope and he can transform somebody's life. You see this uh, leper that Jesus is interacting with? You know what? The people around Jesus, I'm sure, would have been going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't be near him. He has leprosy. But what does Jesus do? You might, you might, the leper cry, calls out and it says, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who was seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He knew somehow, because somebody must have told him that God could make him clean. Do you know what addicts want to be deep down? 
They want to be clean. That's, that's drug addict terminology. I want to get clean. That means they want to get drug free. They want to get off stuff. But they get stuck. And society tells them that you have a disease and you're always going to be like that. They need to hear more from people like us that God can make you free. It doesn't have to be this way. It looks bad right now, but with God, all things are possible and he has a plan for your life and it's certainly not this. You know what? This leper knew that if God was to intervene in his situation, he could be clean. That's the way it is for every drug addict out there. They can be clean if God would transform their life. What did Jesus do? He says, be thou clean. For every person that comes to Jesus, you know what God's heart is for them? Be thou clean. God doesn't cast anybody out. He reaches down to the gutter to reach people. Let me tell you, he has such a heart for the lost, he outdoes all of us. We need to get the same heart as Jesus. We need to be willing to go reach the lost. But you know what Jesus tells him? Jesus tells him, you know what? I don't want you to go and tell everybody that, uh, what's going on in your life. First of all, you need to go down and, uh, and, and offer for a cleansing course Moses commanded. You need to go down and fill the, fulfill the, the, the requirements of the law. You need to go show yourself that you're clean to the priest. Back in those days, that's what would have had to happen. Um, but the guy was so excited about what God's done in his life, there was no shutting him up. But you know what, folks? What happened because of that? Look at verse uh, 17, and it came to pass. Uh, or sorry, um, verse 15, but, there, uh, but so much more there went their frame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to he- hear and to be healed uh, by him of their infirmities. You know what happens when God saves uh, a rogue in society? When God saves a crook in society, when God saves somebody that society says is un- unchangeable, that are unhelpable. You know what happens when God saves and changes somebody like that? The world stands up and takes notice because they could never do it. And let me tell you, the people that, that we look on in society and we think, you know what, that they're lost causes. They will never, ever change. There's no reach in them. You know what, when we're like that as the church, we do God a disservice. God can reach everybody. No matter who or where or what they've done, God can reach down and radically save them and change them. But you know what, why should we? Because we're commanded to, we're told to. You know what, you're told to go and give the gospel. You're told to love But you know what? It's not always easy. You know what? If you skip over, wonderful, I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to take two minutes with you. I'm going to show you some uh, 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 verse. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 with me. You see, when we're dealing with people with addictions, we constantly get mothers phoning up. Sisters, brothers, wives, girlfriends phoning up looking for help for their family member. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you have a family member or an uncle, auntie, a son, daughter, or whatever it might be, and they need help or they need saved. Well, what you're going to find is that, you know what, God is ultimately wanting to reach them. But you know what? Somebody is unhelpable unless they really want to help themselves. Okay? Let's, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse down at verse 24. 
I'm going to try and include you all on helping addicts tonight. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy 2, chapter 24, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You see, in this passage of Scripture, we read about four different individuals. And we're, we're involved in this. When it says the servant of the Lord, who is that? That's everybody that's born again. All of us need to be servants of the Lord. When you become a Christian, you become a tool in God's hand. God wants to use you to reach the world. So you're a servant of the Lord. Well, look what it says here. It says the servant of the Lord. And it starts to touch on some of the characteristics that we need to have in order to be effective ministers to the people that have problems. We're looking at people that are in the snare of the devil. There's nobody more in the snare of the devil than those that are in addiction tonight, let me tell you that. But you know what? There's many snares. There's religious snares. There's pride snares. There's all sorts of different snares, but we're talking about addiction tonight. It says the servant of the Lord, and then it talks of a few things, must not strive. What does that mean? Can't, can't be arguing. You're never going to argue somebody into getting saved. I'm never going to argue somebody into getting their life straightened out or coming off drugs. It's just never going to happen like that. It says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. What you're going to find is, it's not easy to be gentle unto all men. I deal with, with men with problems every day of my life, and it's not easy. It's not easy to remain gentle with them and to, to take it easy, because they would frustrate the life out of you. Sometimes we want more help for people that, than they want, and it's their life. That's the way it goes. It says, uh, be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. We need to get equipped as Christians. We need to get equipped to be able to go out and reach, and, and, and reach people with the gospel and teach them uh, what God says about them. and says, be patient. I tell you, if you start going out and reaching people with the gospel and, and discipling people, you're going to find you're going to need to be patient with them. People don't always move as quick as we would want in the Christian life. Be patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Well, we, we learned about the servant of the Lord. That's, that can be all of us. Now we're learning about somebody that's opposing themselves. They're going against themselves. They're hurting themselves by what they're doing. It says, if God pre-adventure, then we're introduced to God in the situation. So we have the Christian, we have the servant of the Lord, then we have the guy that's opposing himself, he's, he's hurting himself by the sin that he's in, and now we're introduced to God in the situation. It says, if God pre-adventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, do you know we need God to step into somebody's life and touch their heart and, and draw them to himself? They need to uh, come to him. So we need God in the situation. We can't do it ourselves. We'll never talk somebody into, uh, into changing or getting saved, to, to the acknowledging of the truth, coming to the reality of where they stand before God. It says, that, and that they may recover, what's the next word? Themselves. That's an interesting way of putting it. But here we have somebody that's, opposing himself. We have the servant of the Lord. That's the Christian. We have God in the situation. See, I believe it takes all three for somebody to get helped. Because God's not going to send angels down to help the fella down the street that's, that's living on the street corner that you need to reach that you're walking by every day. God's not sending angels down to reach them. You know who he's sending? Me and you. 
We are responsible for this generation of people that we live amongst. So we have the, the guy that's opposing himself, he's hurting himself, the sinner, he's lost. We have God in the situation. We know God's heart. We know God's able. But it says that they may recover themselves. You know what? There needs to be a willingness on, on, the, on the addict's part or the sinner's part in order to turn to God himself. He needs to be willing to access God himself. All we can do in our ministry and all you can do in your ministry here in your local church is give people the gospel. Show them the reality of God. Share the good news with them. Be a good testimony to them. Love them. Have, uh, have patience with them. That's all we can do. We can only do all that. Then there needs to be an encounter with God that the person needs himself. And he needs to, he needs to want it. He needs to access God himself. We can't reach anybody or save anybody ourselves. They need to access God themselves. But look what it says then. It says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So not only is the Christian mentioned, not only is the fellow that's opposing himself mentioned that we're trying to reach, God is mentioned and now the devil's mentioned. When we're going and trying to reach the lost and trying to reach these addicts, there's such a tug of war going on for them all the time. The devil is constantly trying to pull them back to the old life. Temptations bombard them. You know, everything tries to draw them out. You know, it's so difficult for them to come out of that life. There's such a pull back in. But God says that he can, they can recover out the snare of the devil. Do you know that that's what addiction is? It's a snare of the devil. And you know what any kind of snare, people don't realize that they're going to get trapped until they're trapped. Nobody sets out to be an addict. But you know what? They get caught up in a sin, in a sin life that they can't get out of. Would you pray with us? Would you seek God on our behalf and on behalf of the lives of the people that are caught up in the families that are caught up in the addicted life right now in our country? They are the forgotten people. They are the lepers of our society. And we as a church, I believe, need to be focused on praying and reaching uh, these people. Because you know what? They're the next generation. They're the next generation. And if they can be reached, they can be tremendous church members. They can be tremendous Christians. Because you know what? Those that have been forgiven much, love much. Remember I said, hurting people hurt people. But helped people help people. We need to be willing to go and be servants of the Lord and reach those people with the power of God who can change somebody's life from being whoever to being a Christian walking with God. The best church member you will ever know is somebody that's been saved out of a wicked life that God has got a hold of their heart, transformed their life, and they walk with him. It can be a wonderful testimony in the community that which we live. Would you pray for the addicts around you? Would you pray for our ministry? Uh, we have people from Northern Ireland in all the time. have a guy right now. He's just reached six months with us. We have another guy from Belfast coming down tomorrow. And uh, let me tell you, we've already had problems with him. He came to our, our gospel meeting last week in our church. And he used drugs in the toilet. Sometimes when you're reaching people with problems, it makes a mess. Let me tell you. We didn't tell him, See, you're never going to help you again. Don't bother coming back. You know what we done? Not acceptable. It's never to happen again. But we want to help you. Because we believe God can change that man's life. And I believe that that man can be so radically changed that he can stand behind a pulpit like this one day 
and him using drugs in the toilet of a church the previous week before coming in and getting right with God can be part of his story, his testimony, that can ultimately be used later on for the glory of God. If God will transform his life.